Hello, this is Lisa Harden, and welcome to my Poison Bald and Still Standing podcast. This is my guide diving deep into the nitty gritty of what it is really like being diagnosed and going through cancer treatment. Today I have a guest with me by the name of Laura Allen, and Laura and I met in January for the first time at the Cancer Institute where Unfortunately, we both had chemo last two years. It'll be two years in, um, she finished in November of this, it'll be two years, and then I finished in December, which was two years. And we both started volunteering at the Cancer Institute. Um, When did you start? Um, I started last May, April, May is when I started. Of 2017. Mm -hmm. And then I started, or 2018, and then I started in January of this year. Um, and so we met out there volunteering and then um, have become friends and decided to, to do our podcast together to kind of talk about what she's been through. She um, had a spouse that had pancreatic cancer and has passed away from that, which we're going to talk about. And then um, she had her own bout with breast cancer. And so interestingly, um, we both volunteered on Fridays and we both had chemo on Friday when we were out there did you do that on purpose did you I did it on Fridays just for work purposes because I only worked a half a day on Friday so then I could you know not take as much time off work yeah and I did on Fridays because that's a better day for me from a work standpoint too and I had chemo on Friday but I noticed that people tend to have um, their chemo they if they volunteer they volunteer on the same day they had their chemo which I find interesting there's a girl that's wanting to start volunteering when she recuperates from her surgery and she's going to do it on Fridays because that's the day she had chemo, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I did it because of work again because I get off at noon on Friday and I come over there after work. Yeah. So I did it all because of work, really. Okay. It's funny. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your husband who okay. um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So let's kind of just go back to um, as a caregiver and then how when he was diagnosed and just okay. kind of walk through that whole okay. process well first off I just want to say we were married for 30 years <laughs> and uh, but anyway but he got diagnosed in 2000 in December of 2012 and we thought he had acid reflux and then test and more tests it just got worse and then he got the diagnosis in December and we immediately started the chemo which was some hard really hard chemo for pancreatic cancer you know I mean they really hit him hard because he was only stage two which is unusual to find pancreatic cancer that early on and um so anyway we did that and he went through chemo and which was really really hard on him he was a big you know six five 220 pounds you know and just you know it just he just immediately started dropping weight on the chemo but um Anyway, and then we he had the Whipple surgery done in April. And what is Whipple surgery? Well, they take the head, they cut the head of his pancreas off, and then they reroute the small intestine, and they just kind of do some other things. They remove your gallbladder, I believe, and wow. they kind of just reroute everything. And it's a, it's a it's a major surgery. I mean, it was a lot of hours. You know, we were in that room all day. I couldn't even tell you how many hours because I wasn't even breathing. I don't think while he was having surgery, not. but. Anyway, um, so he had the Whipple surgery, and he recovered from that really well, and that was in April, and 
you know, they thought the surgery was successful. Um, you know, the, the chemo was successful, knocking down the tumor markers and all that stuff all the time. So he was responding really well to all the treatments. And then he went through radiation, and he finished that in September. And then in November, his cancer came back. And um, it was bad, and we, you know, we went to MD Anderson, and there really wasn't much they could do past that. And because when it came back, it came back with a vengeance. You know, it was just everywhere. And there really, you know, he took some ke- more chemo to just trying to keep it at bay and to k- keep the pain. Because pancreatic cancer is a very painful. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that deal too. I mean, he was in pain a lot of the times. He was on pain medication, you know, pretty much for that whole whole year. You know, most of the time. And just, you know, felt terrible. It was just, it was horrible. It's a horrible disease, and it's horrible to watch somebody because I think he weighed like 140 pounds when he died in April. He died on April 15th. And he weighed how much when he was first diagnosed? About 220. Wow. And I think he really fell under, the last time we had him weighed, he was 140-something. But then, you know, we didn't have him weighed for the last, you know, probably month Mm -hmm. because he was just at home, you know, with hospice in and, and everything so he probably weighed 130 something probably when he died it totally you know just you know he, it's a it, tough yeah, cancer it is, it's a tough I mean, it's all cancer. tough but that takes one. all your dignity away just you know just he was just you know it was hard it was hard for a man yeah. i think but i think it would be hard for anybody just because it's just such a horrible disease and you just have to you know you, you're just watching somebody wither away mm-hmm. you know and it's just you know it's a lot different you know and when i got diagnosed with my cancer you know the doctors kept on telling me this isn't like pancreatic cancer I mean all of them would tell me that over and over again because they knew what I had been through with Brett Mm -hmm. and um so anyway so but you know so go back to when his symptoms he thought he had acid reflux Reflux. so he went to a doctor because it wasn't going away or right he went to the doctor and the doctor said well I think you just have acid reflux so he started taking medication for acid reflux well, it just kept on getting worse, and he had a lot of trouble eating. Like, after he ate, it hurt really bad, but, you know, the pan- the pancreas is what, you know, Processes, filters all yeah. of that stuff. And so he was having a lot of trouble, and at, at Thanksgiving, I remember he he just couldn't eat. And and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, what is what is wrong with him? You know, there's there's something more wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And then... Um, then somebody said something he's really sick isn't he and i said well yeah and so he like a couple of nights later or whether we woke up in the middle of the night and he was walking around kind of bent over in the middle of the night and i said honey that's not acid reflux i said you know you need to go back to the doctor so they went back to the doctor and they ran some more tests and everything and then the doctor called us back like later on that week and said that his tumor cancer markers were up and we were like, well, what's that all about? And he said, well, that can be up for anything. You know, just, you know, there's all sorts of reasons that could be elevated, not just necessarily that you have cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, then they, Brett went to the doctor by himself the next time, and I didn't go. And then he came home and said they were going to do a biopsy of his pancreas. And I was like, well, why are they doing that? You know, and nobody really said anything to him. And they had run some x-rays and stuff and some scans and stuff, too, and Nobody had said anything to us. Why? So they're just going to go take a chunk of your pancreas, you know? And he said, well, you don't need to go with me. You know, I don't think it's any big deal. And I said, no, I'm going to go. Well, I get there, and the radiologist, you know, comes in there and talks to us and says, I can't do this biopsy. He said, I can't get to the head of the pancreas. And 
I said, what are you talking to the mass on the head of the pancreas? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, he has a mass on the head of his pancreas. And I went, well, what do you think it is? And he just looked at me and said, I've been known to be wrong before. So he didn't say anything. And me and Brett were just standing there, Mm -hmm. you know, going, oh, my gosh. And he said, I can't believe they didn't tell you guys he had a mass on the head of his pancreas. But and it was it was cancer you know mm-hmm. we had to wait a while to have the biopsy done because and i think that kind of lost some time to do that when everybody was pretty much sure it was pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. but we waited for this doctor that could go in down you know through your throat or something that could go see it without you know messing Surgery. messing with things mm-hmm. and everything and and there was only one doctor in tulsa that could do that and so we had to wait for him to do it. So we waited about a month or so to have that done. And then, of course, it came back, you know, that it was cancer, pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer. And they said they classified it as stage 2 something, like 2A two or B two or B. something like yeah. that. And then um, then we got with the surgeon and, and got with, a, you know, got with Dr. Cole at the cancer treatment center. And he started chemo and... And, you know, they, you know, we, they really thought they had a home run with this one because they caught it early, which mm-hmm. is unusual. And, but. It came back. Mm-hmm. It came back. And they hit him really hard with the chemo, and that's why it was so hard on him because they thought, we've got a chance to cure this guy, so mm-hmm. we're going to go for it. And mm-hmm. We're going to hit him hard because he's a big, strong guy. Well, yeah. So. Crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Your worst nightmare, too, it that was. it's going to come back. It was. Yeah, and it did. And, you know, like the first time we had a scan done after he had all that stuff done, it came back good. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I said, that's great, isn't it? And, you know, you could kind of tell they were still kind of, you know, I didn't know if by, by then they had might have seen something already because it wasn't long after that that he got the phone call from the doctor that said it's back. It's back. And it was everywhere. It was ever. It was growing like weeds is what they said. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Same so. kind of cancer? Mm-hmm pancreatic cancer and it just went everywhere then yeah just spread because i always have a fear that they're always checking for that cancer that's going to come back but then you get another kind of cancer from somewhere else that's a fear of mine all the time people have that happen i know they do i worry about that yeah his was his was the same kind so you mentioned hospice so he was at home he was at home the whole time he wanted to be at home and so we just you know, at the very the last month was really hard to take care of him because he was such a big guy and he didn't want to be helped. You mm-hmm. know, and um, you know it was it was just hard because you know it got to where my son he was you know twenty two at the time was having to help his dad go to the bathroom and get him in him in bed and you know I'd have to wake he fell down one night I had to yell at my kids to come because my daughter moved back home but my son still lived at home but she moved back home to help take care of him you know so mm-hmm. we could kind of all be there with him and um anyway but he fell down once and you know because his legs just he got so weak he couldn't even stand up and so he was trying to go to the bathroom this was before we got the porta potty thing mm-hmm. and he he just like pushed me away and just fell face planted in the bathroom on the tile oh gosh and so you know he's bleeding and i'm screaming at the kids and you know i mean it it, it was it was it's horrible to watch somebody with pancreatic cancer i bet i've always heard and then i've got a friend that's watching one her husband go through that right now and it's it's you know it's just sad you know yeah. it's just sad that you just wonder why they can't be taken then instead of having to die this the process this terrible horrible mm-hmm. death like they do because 
and pancreatic cancer most of the time that's the way it is but they do have things coming along and you know it was a five percent survival rate when brett was there and i think it's bumped up to seven now wow that's still such a low rate yeah, it's so yeah. sad but they're you know they're working on it now and i do the pancreatic cancer walk the purple stride every mm-hmm. year and raise money for that because i just you know like when you go to the breast cancer walk i mean it's just everywhere people are just thousands of people and then you go to the purple stride and it's just like a hundred people maybe you know wow. and um, so but they, it's such a common cancer you hear about pancreatic cancer so much more frequently right. now mm-hmm. you do you hear about before. it more and more i mean i'd never heard of anybody having it besides patrick swayze and michael right. landon both died of it but mm-hmm. you know and there's some people that do kick it you know some people do beat it so i'm hoping in the years to come they have more people that beat it yeah yeah so from the time it came back how long was he alive Okay, it came back in November, and he lived till April. Wow, so not so long So six now. months. Yeah. Yeah. Did they give you a diagnosis like that, like that he has six months to live? or? Well, I don't think they really gave me a date or whatever, but, like, when he started, you know, like, he had to have his, he started having to have his stomach drained, and we'd have to go to the hospital about every week because it would get real uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it make it more painful for him. And... You know, and so we'd have to go get his stomach drained and everything. And I remember I saw Dr. Cole, who was his doctor there, and um, he came up to me and sat down and talked to me while I was waiting for Brett. And he said, you know, if you're wanting to take him somewhere, if he wants to go to the beach or somewhere, now's the time to take him. And so I took him in February. He wanted to go to the beach, and me and his brother and his wife took him to the beach. But it was was a bad trip. He didn't, you know, he didn't do well Mm -hmm. in the car, and he didn't do well flying to... MD Anderson, you know, I mean, sometimes you go in there and he'd be in the floor curled up in front of this little heater because he was didn't have any meat on his bones and he was hurting so bad he'd just be in the floor. Mm. And then, you know, you'd hard try to, to get watch. him in the bed and, you know, it was really hard to watch. Yeah. I and then imagine. at the end it was just, yeah. Brutal. Yeah, it was. But, you know, I guess, you know, dying's never beautiful. No, you know, I but, know, but it's sad that yeah. there isn't an easier way. Yeah, and he was only that. 52 years old wow. when he died. So he was young. Wow. And that it's been how many years ago? Five and a half years ago. Okay. Since he passed away, yeah. And then after he passed away, what was the timeline before in, until you were diagnosed? Okay. He passed away in 14. In, okay, so 14. And then I got diagnosed in January of 17 with my breast cancer. Okay. So that's crazy. Yeah. And then I had to tell my kids. Your kids. My, my kids were both like, they said, I think I've told you this before, but they both said the same thing. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, Mom. I said, I wouldn't kid about something like this. You know, and I didn't want to have to tell them. You know, mm-hmm. you want to protect everybody from mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't want to tell my mom. I didn't tell my dad for a long time. I told my mom because she's my, you know, but I didn't tell my dad because I didn't want him upset. You know, mm-hmm. you'd, you're upset. You don't want other people upset. So you, it's it's hard thing to tell somebody, you yeah. know. I was the opposite. I called my dad because I thought <laughs> he would make, break it to my mother better than I could break it to my mom. And it didn't go so well either. But it's that's a hard phone call to make. Yeah, it is. Uh, when I called my dad, I said, well, I've got some news for you. And I said, it's not so good. And he goes, well, just go ahead and spit it out right now. Hurry. You know, like get it over with. And and then he's just like, you know, because he freaked out when Brett got cancer because he just loved my husband. And mm-hmm. he just, you know, he tried, you know, to help, like, getting certain kind of vitamins that he thought would help him, you know, just doing anything yeah. that, you know, you can. So, 
anyway, but yeah, it was it was it was rough having to tell my kids and my family, you know, after all of that. So, so let's talk about your diagnosis. Okay. What what were your what made you go? Well, was it just a normal mammogram? Well, I have um, I have really dense breast tissue. And always have. And so I've had biopsies in the past, and I started going to a, a surgeon, a breast surgeon, to have those biopsies. And she just had me every year because of my dents. She says I have a really weird pattern in my tissue, okay. or did have. And um, so she had me get an MRI every year, too, because mammograms back then, you know, they didn't have the 3D and all that stuff that they've come mm-hmm. out with recently. But mm-hmm. when you have dense breast tissue, the only way that they could get it was an MRI. So every year... After my mammogram, I'd have an MRI, and then they found it on the MRI. And then I had a biopsy, and then we went from there. And it's triple negative breast cancer. And was it just on one? Just in one. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you had a full, you had a a total mastectomy. Yes. Because, you know, my sister had had breast cancer, but hers was a totally different kind. She had one when she was 35, and she had her right breast removed. And then 10 years later, she got a totally different kind in the left breast. Mm -hmm. And she, then she had it removed because back then, you know, that was a long, you know, that was 30-something years ago. It was very radical to, mm-hmm. you know, take your, take both of them at the time, and they mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. And um, so I don't, you know, and it's I've had the, the um, what do you call it, being hereditary or not. the Oh, the, yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking about, the yeah. gene test. Yeah, and I don't, you know, none of us are positive for that, so... Anyway, but that's how they found it, and then I just decided I'm just not going to mess around worrying about whether it comes back in the left breast or mm-hmm. not because, you know, you, you, you know, you've got it once. Your body makes cancer, mm-hmm. you know. That you likelihood. Don't wanna, yeah, and so I just – and I think it's just better to have them look alike, you know. Yeah. And, um, so you had – did you have surgery first and have the mastectomy before you started chemo, or did you do it after your chemo? I had the surgery first. Okay. They did the surgery first, and then I had to wait six weeks before I could start the chemo. And okay. then I started the chemo, and then I had to wait. Uh, well, then after – well, I had ex- expanders put in, like for the reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And um, so they wanted to they did, they wanted to take those out you know, like in September or something, but I needed to do radiation faster. They wanted me to get on into radiation instead of waiting, you know. And so they waited to take my, you know, my expanders out and put the implants in, like, the next year. Oh, okay. So, um, anyway, because they wanted me to get my radiation in because it had been, you know, I had to skip a few chemos and for different things. And Mm -hmm. I was having a really hard time keeping my blood counts up. I had shots every day. I went over there four days a week every morning to get a shot. And then I'd be able to get my treatments. So So you had surgery and then six weeks later you started treatment? Mm -hmm. And you did you do radiation first and then chemo? No, I did chemo first. Okay. And then um, I did... uh, four weeks of of the adriamycin and the cytoxin and then i did 12 weeks of the taxol and then i did a clinical trial too um that um god what was that called carboplatin yeah carboplatin yeah i did that which is so funny because we we mentioned that i think one night but you had carboplatin as a clinical trial Trial. and then i had carboplatin as one of my regular it's no longer a trial so it's obviously it makes you wonder did the trials obviously work, and now it's it's a protocol for certain types of cancer. Because right. a lot of the women out there that have uterine cancer, 
And even breast cancer are now doing taxol and carboplatin at the same time, which is what I did for uterine cancer. So it's interesting that Mm -hmm. at the same time, so I'm just I'm just curious. I'd like to know more about that because at the yeah. same time, because you had chemo into November, right? You finished in November. No, that's August. when I fin- I finished in August, end of that's August. That's right, and then and you then started radiation. Radiation in November. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing. I started in August of carboplatin and taxol, and that was one of your clinical trials. So I'm just curious mm-hmm. how that. I'd like to find out a little bit more about. Yeah, that. Yeah, well, they just told me that they find that with the carboplatinum that that um it just keeps the cancer away longer that's oh, okay. what they said and that you know they just there are studies that showed that with the triple negative they only did it with the triple negative breast oh, cancer gotcha. not like the okay the hormone you know related related breast cancer so mm-hmm. mine's totally different from that that's interesting because my cancer was considered hormone driven really yeah yeah what well, do you take hormone blockers then Mm-mm. for it? You don't? Okay. Well, see, a no lot of hormones at all. Yeah, so a lot of women that do the, you know, have the hormone breast cancer, they mm-hmm. take, you know, they take blockers, you know, hormone blockers or whatever they're mm-hmm. called. And my sister did that for years. You know, she took that tamoxifen, and my mm-hmm. sister-in-law did the same thing. And I just know a lot of people that have had breast cancer, so, you There's know. There's a lot. It's crazy mm-hmm. how many, especially out there on... Oh yeah, Without and young women yeah. that you know, really, young really women young. definitely need to be getting checked earlier yeah. than they than they do. I think because we see so many young people out there at the cancer treatment center when we're volunteering. There's just so many of them. It's crazy. It is. So you had uh, implants, mm-hmm. and did that? Did you get that surgery after you finished everything? Yes. So you went through chemo and everything without, with the expanders in. With the expanders in. And they were just a little uncomfortable. You know, you get used to them. Mm-hmm. And then, but it did feel better once I got the implants in. So I waited till the next May and got my, because they want you to wait for quite a few months, mm-hmm. you know. After. After your radiation. Because, you know, you're all burned and everything so i had to wait quite a while and then i just had them switched out then and i would prefer to do that because if they needed to hit my cancer with something else i wanted them to be hitting it and not be waiting around for implants you know right and so then they did that and i had that done in may and then um in september i had the nipples put on right and then i had the tattoos put on and then i'm waiting this summer through the summer so I can be in the water and I'm going to have the tattoos kind of touched up at the end of the year and then I'll be done okay so it's a I remember my doctor saying to me my first appointment I think when my oncologist when I when he's telling me what my treatment was going to be and Mm -hmm. he goes it's a long it's a long two years but it's at least two year process and I'm thinking two years but it is I mean when you're it's and and some people obviously unfortunately it's a lot longer than two years it was two Mm -hmm. for me um it's a it's a long it takes two years of your life yeah you know you're just dealing with that recover i always say it's a full-time job yeah just with the phone calls and (laughs) appointments and everything else yeah so we we touched on it earlier but let's talk about the head shaving oh okay because we had two different perspectives on head shaving we did (laughs) opposites actually you had a party i had a party because i decided it was going to be traumatic. It obvious is it's hard. And, and some people look at you and go, that's so ridiculous. It's hair. It'll grow back. And mm-hmm. you're fully aware it's going to grow back. Right. But it also is hair, and it's on your head. And to me, I struggled with the fact that it, the damage and how fast. You know, they say 
it's going to start falling out in two weeks. Well, it doesn't start falling out in two weeks. It comes out on your first day of hair falling out in massive clumps. It's Absolutely. Not, you imagine when they say it starts falling out, you're just going to start seeing more hair in the hairbrush. You're going to see hair on your desk. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's like clumps of it hair, is. and it's traumatic. It is. And then you realize if it's only been two treatments at that point, usually, that you've had two treatments, mm-hmm. and it's falling out that fast it's done that to the hair on my head then you realize what it's doing to the rest of your body and how much damage is taking place in your body and that is overwhelming on the fact that you now are going to be bald yes and it's it's just traumatic but Mm -hmm. I looked at it as okay this is traumatic but I'm going to make it fun I didn't want to I couldn't imagine going to a salon that's full of mirrors and having your hairdresser shave your head which mine kept saying come in and I'll do it and I just thought I can't I just couldn't do that so I had all my girlfriends over we had it really was the best thing I could have done and the morning of I got up and you know the hair follicle with dying like it fast and your head feels like it's been scalded and my hair I had literally had a um oh what it's called dreadlock on top of my head where did all the hair falling out had Mm -hmm. clumped to the hair still attached and I just had to take scissors and give myself a crew cut so the morning of i had a buzz cut oh gosh i mean i have a clump of hair that's just crazy amounts right and so i obviously wore my wig that day for the first time and Mm -hmm. i remember a friend coming over that night for the party and she said are you sure like are you really sure tonight's the night you want to do this now and i said i just pulled my wig off and I said, I think I'm ready. She goes, oh, girlfriend, you're ready. Because <laughs> it's just traumatic. But it is. you looked at it differently. So I give did. your perspective I, um, on it. I didn't really want, you know, anybody to be around me when I had it done. I have a really good friend that's a hairdresser. And he said, just call him. He was leaving his clippers in the car and said, call me when you, you know, I've I'm known ready. this person since I was nine years old, you know. And he said, just call me. He lives in Muskogee, Muskogee area. And he said, just call me and I'll come. So this Thursday morning, two weeks, almost exactly when I started chemo, it was, you know, I got up that morning and I brushed my hair and it was just, you know, clumps were just falling out. And I thought, okay, I called Neil and said, hey, it's time. And and I didn't really want anybody to be there. My mom, bless her sweet little heart, she was staying with me. And um, anyway, she, I told her when Neil got there, I said, you know, I don't want an audience. Well, I guess she didn't hear me. This is going to be one of my ugly times <laughs> because, you know, and then she came in there and sat down in the bathroom on the edge of the tub and was, you know, ready to watch. And I said, you know, Mom, I don't want an audience. I, you know, I'm having a hard enough time here, you know. And I knew Neil was having a hard time, too. I knew he was probably going to yeah, cry time. shaving it off, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was just like, you know, I just didn't want anybody to be around me. I was just, you know. And um, so anyway, she got up and left and went in the other room. And then, of course, I felt bad. And I went out there and told her to come on in if it was that important to her. I just didn't understand why she wanted to be there. But I was just being a hag, you know, and just, you know, I don't know. It just, I just didn't want anybody in there. So it was exactly totally opposite of you. Yeah. But she did come in and watch and everything was fine. And But I didn't look at myself for till like the next morning. And then really? I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, this is what I look like bald. It's, it it's, is it's hard. crazy. You it's feel like so you're an hard. alien looking yeah. at yourself in the mirror, you know. Yeah, because you're already dealing with all the mental stuff that comes with cancer diagnosis, right. which is traumatic and scary. And, it is. And then now you look like a completely different person. Exactly. Because you, you're not the same. And 
I mean, we love our hair on our head. We yes. color it. We take care of it mm-hmm. every six weeks, and then it's gone. Yeah. And it's hard. It's I a know. hard thing to process. And it's, I, yeah. it's not being vain. It's It has nothing to do with that. It's just no. the fact of what you're going through and, mm-hmm. and what it's causing. And I just thought it, if I make this fun – it's going to be easier for me to handle. And and I, the girls, and I've always said it all along, and people that know me, I hate to, I'm not the person that likes to be the center of attention. I hate to have my picture taken. I'm just not that girl. And then I'm sitting there in my sunroom with 12 girls circled around me watching me. And there was a moment when they were shaving, and I thought, I can't believe I'm doing this. But it was the best thing ever because they were all just so complimentary and they were talking about how my eyes were glowing and how it just my face started glowing and whether they're lying to me or not it sure made it a lot easier than sitting there and watching that happen but I went straight to the bathroom to look at it oh yeah and it's shocking yeah it is it's 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 the most shocking shocking thing and I I think I mentioned this to you but on when I'm out there on Fridays volunteering, the women I'm drawn to to go talk to that are getting chemo are the ones that are out there without anything on their head. There's yes. something to me that I'm just like, I couldn't do it. And I say to them all the time, and I've got always go in there and go, I just want to tell you that I love that you're rocking your bald head because yes. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I, didn't, I wasn't brave enough. But I see them and I'm like, such a cool thing that you rock it because – yeah it's it is what it is but it's i i never went out of my house without my wig on i just couldn't do it i I wore wraps all the time when i I never wore my wig to chemo i wore wraps on my head and but i wore my wig to work a lot and then some days you know i just didn't want to wear it so i'd wear a wrap to work and you know you just you know that just draws attention yeah you know when you have a wrap on your head everybody's like oh she's got cancer you know if you have your wig on everybody's not you know you just didn't like to I don't know. I just didn't like to advertise it, I don't guess. I guess if yeah, I thought I, I didn't advertise way. it, it would go away. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I was the same so. way. I never wore – I didn't wear scarves or any kind of the hats that are common with um, with the women. I just couldn't do it. I either had my wig on. I didn't wear my wig at home, but if I was out the door, I had it, I had the wig on for sure. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, I was saying earlier that I uh, – my first outing – without my wig was in January and my last chemo was in December so I just had I didn't have much hair but it was pretty liberating to go to and then at that point on I never wore it again and I remember being at the grocery store and I I laugh about this because in in the grocery store obviously it's like a test market because you see so many different kinds of people men would stare at me and little kids would look afraid of me but women (laughs) always gave me this smile like I'm with you. Yeah. I know what you're going through. I've been there. It was just like you're on your little secret club. Yeah. But I was in the grocery store pretty quickly after that, and there was a little girl in a shopping cart with her mom, and she goes, Mama, who is that? To me. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and her mom turned around and looked at me. She goes, well, honey, I don't know who that is. She goes, oh, Mama, who is that? And I could tell she was I'm scared fine. to death. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go around this quickly and get out of here. Yeah. And that was the moment I thought, maybe it's too soon. But I never did put it back on after that. I was like, yeah. I'm once, done. Once I did that in November, I that's the first time I went out. And I ended chemo in August. And then in De- or November, I went out on my own. I went to a craft show with my sister-in-law and peeked my head out. And she said, come on. You look fine, and 
And I felt real conscientious that first time, but I never put mine back on either. I mean, I'd get in the car after work, and that's, I'd look oh. around the parking garage, and that thing would be ripped off my head. Mine, too. And thrown in the back seat. Yeah. I had a name for my, my wig. Its name was Midge. 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 I had a Midge Barbie doll when I was young. Yeah. And it, that wig looked like Midge to me, so yeah. I called it Midge. And I'd always say, well, I left Midge at home today, and everybody would laugh through my whole treatment about calling that wig Midge. But I wish I would have been lighter about that kind of thing, even when I had my head shaved with my mom. I mean, I have regrets from not being so nice at times yeah. when I was going through that. And I think my mom took the brunt of that. So. Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about that earlier, but I think that you know i said it all along chemo makes you mean yeah it does and it's not just the chemo it's the diagnosis it's you're scared every single day there's not a day goes by that you're not afraid right you feel horrible you don't ever feel good not one day during chemo so you've got chronic illness basically scared out of your mind right you're bald (laughs) yeah and then you're getting chemo every week with steroids and everything on top of it and it does make you mean and i say it to people out there all the time volunteering it's okay to be mean i have a little old lady out there that she's no longer getting chemo she's finished she was 90 something and she said you know what i'm really mean and i said so was i i gave her a high five i said so was i she goes i'm so mean to my daughter and she just my daughter always asked me mom why are you so mean and i said because you get to be you're you yeah. have cancer and you feel bad and it's okay to be mean yeah. but we but you do have regrets afterwards because you know yeah. how many times you've snapped at people but it's hard not to it you is. just don't feel good and you're yeah. scared i think the fear is the the biggest part of it and yeah, the anxiety the fear is real for sure and you can't describe that fear to anybody yeah. unless they've they've gotten that diagnosis themselves and no, it's it's the craziest thing it is it's it's horrible so let's talk about your port because okay. we both have our ports in. I hate really? mine with the passion. I, I can't wait to yeah. get it out. My doctor, when I asked him um, probably about six months ago when I could get the port out, he goes, well, I don't know. He goes, you could leave it in the rest of your life. Yes, but who wants to do that? And there's just no way I'm doing that. And no. I talked to a woman last Friday out there, two Fridays ago, that's going to keep hers in for the rest of her life. She goes, I figure it's easier if people want to access it to get blood. And I thought, it's a daily reminder. It is. It's unattractive. And mine bothers me. Like, mm-hmm. it, the wire that goes up into your jugular that crosses over my clavicle really bothers me. It bugs me it hurts sometimes and it, mm-hmm. i mess with it all the time which is probably why it bothers me because yeah. i won't leave it alone because it just it's irritating right so I, i'm telling you december 4th is my day because that was my last chemo day <laughs> and that's it <laughs> not huh? gonna mess with fate and destiny and they tell you two years is the magic number your mm-hmm. first magic number and then five years is your second so i at two year mark it's coming out Right. And are you going to take yours out? Well, I am, but I mine's more like my first mark is a three-year mark, they told me. So I'm going to wait till at least three, three years. years. And I do. they do have a hard time getting blood out of me, period. You know, even when I – before now, I can't have sticks in my arms because of the, the double mastectomy. I can't have blood taken. I can't even have blood pressure taken in either one of my arms because oh, you can get lymphedema, which I have a mild case oh. of lymphedema in my right hand, but it's very mild. And I wear a sleeve when I work out and when I fly, a compression sleeve. Okay. You have to wear that when you fly. And then, you know, different. like when I work out, I wear it just to keep my hand from swelling. But I've got that pretty much under control. But um, anyway... 
So wait, so g- getting your arm sticked stuck with a needle can cause lymphedema mm-hmm. can make it yeah, worse yeah they say it can so oh, my doctor doesn't want me to have sticks in any arm so if they get blood they got to get it out of my feet and that's not very comfortable how does that work well it doesn't work very good so that's why i'm really hanging on to mine but i still want to get it out because you know when you wear a swimsuit or oh yeah it's you just know certain clothes you just have to you know try on a shirt with a porch just hanging out mm-hmm. there and i'm like nope nope because you know i don't it doesn't really bother me. Sometimes at night it can get, I can kind of get it twisted a little bit where it'll hurt for a little mm-hmm. bit. But I think it bothers other people. I think people don't like to look at it. Yeah. Oh, you can see people stare at it. Yeah. Because I wear, I'll wear shirts that show it. I don't even care. Yeah. And then you catch people. Yeah. Like, and then I asked, somebody asked me not too long ago, okay, what is that? Yeah. And if you're not around cancer or anybody that's had cancer, you don't, you've never seen a port. Right. And you're, it's just not attractive. Your skin sticks out. It sticks out. It looks like you have some sort of a growth underneath your skin and i could tell they were pretty freaked out by it but there are a lot of people that aren't around it that don't know that that's what it is and then obviously women a lot of women will look at it and go oh i have a scar too and then they show you their scars yeah that happens to me a lot well brett had a port so i knew what it looked like and he actually had to have two ports put in because his got severed oh my gosh there i guess you know i don't know but it got severed and it didn't work and they took an x-ray and it was part of it was just dangling down in there it was very so he had to have a surgery to have that done in the midst of all of his other wow stuff it was everybody talked about it at the cancer treatment center because they'd never had that happen before and everybody's like oh you're the guy with the port you're the guy that had to have the new port put in yeah it was really strange but i haven't had any trouble with mine no I haven't had any trouble. I just don't like it. I want it out, and it's another daily reminder of what you went through. It's like every you want to you want to get your hair back to the way it was, which obviously I haven't done that because I'm Mm -hmm. platinum blonde and short, and that's what it was before. But I want that out. That's like that second reminder to Mm -hmm. to go back to your old life, right? Before it all, yeah, I'd like to have it out. But I do want to say that I didn't say this when I was talking about going through the reconstruction Mm -hmm. and everything about my cancer. Mm -hmm. It really does look well. Looks really well. Looks really good. You know, I mean, the the reconstruction. Reconstruction. I mean, yeah. I mean, from a distance, if you didn't know, you probably couldn't tell. Wow, it's crazy how far they've come. I mean, they've come a long ways with all of that, and with the you know the nipple reconstruction. You know, they just build Mm -hmm. you a nipple out of your skin, and then they tattoo around it. And I mean it. That's so crazy. You know, I was thinking I was going to look like Frankenstein mm-hmm. or something, you know, mm-hmm. after having the surgery, which, you know, but, I mean, you know, it, and when you first have it done, it doesn't look pretty, believe me. But, it, you know, it heals, and then, you right. know, now, so I'm not, you know, I don't just think, oh, you know. I mean, it's, it's, they've really done a good job. Yeah, they've it's, come a long ways with they that. They have. They really have. Yeah. It's, and, it's, I mean, so many women... Or yes. having mastectomies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm always astounded when I'm out there on Fridays how many women are going through breast cancer. Yes. It's such a common it is. It is. cancer it's, yeah. that it's well, just Well, some women crazy. just have their breasts taken off because they have the gene, mm-hmm. and then they don't even wait to, Which you know. But crazy. they really have, you know, I mean, my plastic surgeon was really good. And, and, you know, I mean, I just had a good team of doctors. And I just, you know, I just mm-hmm. think that anybody that's getting ready to go through that needs to know that it's going to eventually look pretty darn good. Yeah. You, you don't know? have to, you're not stuck with the disaster that they used to be stuck with right yeah and actually i always wanted kind of a lift and i got one (laughs) (laughs) the hard way yeah the hard way sure you know hey the time time, it took a lot of time to get to that point yeah yeah and then i had another question for you Uh um 
Oh, so you mentioned the three years. So your first magic number is three years, three and years. then your second one is five. Five. They said I can fire all the doctors after five after years. Five. And three wow. years, I'm I'm sailing pretty good. They said in five years, I can fire my doctors. Now, okay, so you fire doctors, but do you? Is it like a yearly? You still go yearly and get any kind of? No, I don't think they make wow. you go back after that. Because wow. I have another friend that's had cancer, and she didn't have to. She doesn't. And they were like, and she was scared. She was like, "You mean I don't need to come back?" No. Wow. Because I go every year. I'll go once a year. They'll do. My first two years, I go every three months. The next two years, I go every six months. And then it switches to every year for the rest of my life, I will be out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, they they said I wouldn't be. And, you know, I have friends that aren't. That's you great. Know, so hopefully I won't have to be buzzing out there for yearly checkups or yeah. whatever. I'll still have to be, you know, checked and everything. And, you know, by, you know, probably go, I go to my breast surgeon still, even though, you know, I mean, I still go to her all the time mm-hmm. and they still, you know, do the ultrasounds and everything on them, you know, with the implants, they can't really see everything, but they could see enough to tell if something was going on mm-hmm. is what they say. So anyway, but yeah. Crazy. So yeah, it is. Do you <laughs> celebrate the milestones you in know, any way? I really haven't. I really haven't. I just kind of, you know, I just, you know, just want to move on move on from it, you yeah. know. I mean, and I think that's why, you know, being out at the, this last year, being out at the cancer place, I really wanted to go and give back out there. Mm-hmm. And and I still do. I still want to do that. But just working full time is just kind of wearing me out right now. So I'm going to kind of cut back a little bit on that. But, it, you know, it sometimes just gets hard you know to be out there it's just like a constant reminder too that Mm. that you've been there you know and it's just like you just want to kind of forget about it for a while sometimes you do yeah it's a fine line because i i started as as like next step in healing because i was still struggling so much and i hated going out there for my doctor's appointments because i just hated being back in that building yeah and then i thought okay i gotta get past that and so now i'm past that from a um from a fear i don't have that any longer since i now i look forward to going out there on fridays because of volunteering right but then there's that then it switches over to that other line where it's like so frustrating that it's just in your face all day long yes i had one of the girls yeah. i spoke to had the same kind of cancer and 10 years later it came back and she's terminal and it's like okay you don't want to hear that <laughs> can't do this anymore <laughs> yeah then it gets hard yeah it does because you know there's a lot of people that are sitting in those chairs that that's not their first time i know a lot a lot of people and those days are rough days when you everybody you talk to on that day yeah they have they're on their second and third yeah. rounds and then you're just like oh my gosh I, what am i yeah. doing that that hurts me and to see the young people out there mm-hmm. hurts me mm-hmm. you know and then i could you know you can just tell some of the people that have pancreatic cancer you can tell by just the way they, they look, look and you know because we don't really know what kind of cancer mm-hmm. unless they share it with us what mm-hmm. kind they have right but yeah it's it's a yeah it's the it's, age- just, it's just amazing how crowded that place is no. every day every no. day and they're not the only cancer treatment place in no. Tulsa so no and we only see the treatment room we're not seeing the radiation room mm. and the doctor side and it's yeah it's a blessing some days and then sometimes i leave there going oh my gosh mm-hmm. seriously i, I do. don't think i can do it anymore I do too. I it's do hard too. but it's 
It is I've rewarding met some great too. People. Yeah, I I've have met too. Some, I mean, I met you, and I've got yeah. so many other girls that have gone through it that I stay in touch with, and right, it's it's nice, but it's yes. there are days that you yeah. just go, I just want to go get in my car and get out of here right <laughs> exactly exactly well thank you so much well, you're for joining me today well, sure well, sure um if you guys have any questions for laura you can send them to me on the podcast and then i can get the questions back to her if you have more specific questions Absolutely. about her mastectomy and the reconstruction because i know that's a a big question for a lot of people getting ready to face that surgery that's a right. scary scary surgery to have to face and not yeah. knowing what how it all turns out. so Yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions <laughs> about pancreatic cancer no, with my true. husband or about that, too. I mean, you know, as much as I know, as much as I can tell. So Right. Thank you for listening to Poison, Bald, and Still Standing. <laughs>